what my call was and what God wanted me to do. I worked a variety of different jobs. Um, I worked as a, a fry cook at the Sonic Drive-In. I worked as a busboy at Bonanza Steakhouse. And I worked in Fred's Dollar Store stocking shelves. And I even sold vacuum cleaners door to door one time. And I, I mean, I worked all kinds of different jobs. And sometimes I was, I was wondering as I was working, am I climbing a ladder here? And if so, is the ladder even leaned against the right wall? You know, is this all going anywhere? God, where are you trying to take me? Where do you want me to go? And that's kind of the question that we're asking today. All year long so far, as we went into a new year, 2022, there were so many things that we didn't know. But I wanted us to focus on what we can be sure of. And that is things like who we are. So all month long, I've been asking you to, to say out loud what our mission is, who we are. So I want to, uh, I want to have you say it again with me today. Uh, the people of Gadsden First United Methodist Church, changing lives by sharing Christ, making disciples, serving, and giving hope. And I hope the more we say that, the more it will be ingrained in your heart and um, a part of what we live into. So that's who we are. And then we ask, um, what does God want us to become? Because all visions and missions are aspirational. We're not there. We're always becoming. And a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Simon and Andrew fishing and casting their nets into the sea and Jesus looking at them and saying to them, follow me and I'll make you fish for people. So what God wants us to become and still the same 2,000 years later, are followers of him who fish for other followers of him. And then last week we looked at the question, what does God want us to do? And we looked at the great commandment. I think this is just foundational. And we, we talked about it in our adult confirmation class. This is it. This is what we're built on. This is what God wants. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. On these two laws hang all of the law and the prophets. So that's who we are. That's what we want to become. Um, that's what God wants us to do, and that's what we want to do. We want to be and live into who we are with integrity of heart. So that's what our mission is. Now... This ought to be kind of taking shape for us. And at this point, I want us to say that there is a point to all this. There is a direction that we should be going. There is, if, if we use the analogy of climbing a ladder, there is a certain wall that that ladder needs to be leaning against as we are making progress. There is somewhere that God wants us to go. And I'm not just talking about heaven. I'm talking about right now today there's a point to all this and I see that so clearly in this passage that I just read in John 15 1 through 5 let's get the scene in our minds as we think about what Jesus is doing here Jesus knows that he is about to ascend back to the father and Jesus has some final instructions 
final instructions for his followers, for those that are most important to him, for those he's closest to. They have a meal together. Remember, we, we celebrate that when we celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion, that meal. Jesus washes their feet. Remember that? And then he told them that one of them was going to betray him. And then he tells Peter that he's going to deny him three times before the rooster crows. Wow, that must have just been so mind-blowing for them. Jesus promises to send them the Holy Spirit. And then he goes and I can see them leaving the upper room after they've shared that meal. And Jesus has given this teaching and washed their feet. And they're headed to the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And I can see them walking through a vineyard. I don't know that it happened like this, but I know that this is kind of how Jesus did a lot of times. He, he took what was around them and he made the teaching of it. And so maybe they were actually standing in a vineyard and looking at the clusters of grapes and the vine and the branches. And Jesus said to them what we just read in John 15, 1 through 5. So to help us to kind of remember what this teaching is and where God wants us to go, I have four letters that I want to share with you about where we want to go today. Um, the first one is G, and the G stands for God's goal, because in everything at the beginning, at the end, the Alpha and the Omega is always about God. Jesus tells us in fifth, chapter 15, verse 1, that God is the vine grower, the vine dresser, the as the King James Version puts it, the husbandman. We might say farmer. That's, that's more common for us today. But here's the point. God is the one in charge, not us. And that's a, a good thing for us to remember. We might need to remind ourselves of that several times a day, that we are not the one who is in charge. God is in charge. God is sovereign, and the vineyard belongs to God. So when we say God is sovereign... We say God is in charge, but we cannot separate that from the very character and the very heart of God, the nature of God. Because as we sang before, uh, God is a good, good father and God loves us. God being the loving parent that God is, wants only what is best for his children. That is God's character, God's love. And God, because God is love, does not act unlovingly. If it is not love, it's not God. And God, because God is just, will not act unjustly. If it's not just, it's not God. Our freedom to reject God's plan does not take anything away from the goodness of God's plan and God's purpose. God has somewhere he wants us to go. So God is the vine dresser or the farmer. So what do you think the vine dresser's plan would be? What does, what does a vine dresser want to grow? Some of you may have a vineyard. I don't know. Or if you haven't had a vineyard, maybe you have been to vineyards. So what does the vine dresser want to grow? The maximum and the very best grapes possible, right? Just common sense. And Jesus puts it this way in verse 8. He says, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples the vine dresser the heavenly father wants for us the maximum and the best fruit that we can provide 
And that brings us to the second letter, the R. The R stands for right relationship. And I say that because we dare not mix this up. God is the vine dresser, and that's what I've already said before. Not us. God is in charge, not us. And Jesus is the vine. If, if you have ever made a trip to a vineyard or if you have a vineyard, the vine is the kind of tree trunky looking part that comes up uh, out of the ground. It is the source, the vine is the source of all the water and the nutrients that the branches need to grow the grapes. The vine is life for all the branches. Without the vine, no fruit could ever grow. Apart from the vine, the branches are useless. So they're utterly dependent on what the vine provides. So the right relationship begins with realizing that God is the vine dresser and that Jesus is the vine, the source of life. And so that makes us the branches. Our job is to not make decisions for the whole vineyard. Our job is not to prune and to fertilize. Our job is not to be the source of water and nutrients for ourselves. That's the vine's job. We are the branches. Our job is to bear fruit and by doing that, bring glory to God the Father and a smile to the vine dresser's face. That's our job. We don't have that many vineyards around here. Uh, there's one over in my neighborhood. There's a few around. In some places you go, if you've ever been to California, to Napa Valley, or places in Italy and France, you find, you find vineyards all over the place. If you've ever traveled to Israel and different places like that, vineyards are a big deal. Um, we do have gardens around here, and you can make a lot of the same analogies to gardens. Uh, um, the point is this. In order to get the best and the maximum yield, we know, we know that it, does, it doesn't just happen. Now, there are things that will grow wild. You'll have, if you're out in the country, you know, you'll have some muscadines. We used to go and pick uh, muscadines and things like that. But those wonderful vineyards that you see, that you enjoy the fruit of so much, those beautiful gardens that we, that we reap the benefits of in the summertime when we get those fresh vegetables, that doesn't just happen. So would you be willing to guess what else doesn't just happen? Maximum fruitfulness in our lives doesn't just accidentally happen. But don't worry, we have a master vine dresser who knows just what to do. If we will just do this next letter. The next letter is O, and that stands for our openness. So let me ask you a question this morning, and let me ask myself this question as well. Would we all be willing to open up our lives with the master vine dresser? Open up our lives to the loving care that branches need in order to bear fruit. You know that in the uh, parable that Jesus talks about in John 15, some branches don't bear any fruit at all. They are consistently fruitless. There's a, a quote that I like uh, from philosopher Will Durant. He says, we are what we repeatedly do. 
So excellence is not an act, but a habit. So for those branches that are consistently fruitless, what does the, what does the vine dresser do? In verse 2, it says that he removes them. And there have been times that I thought, well, that, that just means that the vine dresser just lops them off. But I really think that a better picture of what the vine dresser actually does is um, he takes them up. And the reason I think this is because everywhere else that Greek word is used in the Bible, in verse 2 that Jesus uses in verse 2 of chapter 15, it means to, to lift up. It doesn't mean to cut off. The word in, in verse 2 here is used in Matthew 14 when, when Jesus fed the 5,000 and it says then they took up 12 baskets of leftovers. And it's also used in Matthew chapter 27 when it says that Simon the Cyrene took up Jesus' cross when Jesus was on the way to Calvary and he fell under the weight of the cross. It says that Simon the Cyrene was, was compelled to take up the cross so I think vines that are consistently unfruitful, the vine dresser takes up. There's a little book that I really enjoy reading. It's called The Secrets of the Vine Life by Bruce Wilkinson. He's the one that wrote the little book, The Prayer of Jabez, that was, that was really popular a few years ago. Secrets of the Vine. If you have ever paid any attention to how a vineyard works, um, that's what Bruce did. He went and asked a, a vineyard owner, and he asked him about this lifting up and the cutting off. And, and the vineyard owner explained that, that the branches have a natural tendency to just, to just trail around on the ground, which sounds pretty cool, just kind of lay around. But the problem with that is when the branches lay around on the ground, they get dusty, and then rain and dew makes them get muddy and dirty and then they become mildewy and they just get sick and sick branches don't produce any fruit but what happens is the vine dresser doesn't cut them off the the branches are much too valuable for that instead the vine dresser will lift them up and wash them off and tie them to a trellis right or a, or a long wire rope looking Y'all know what I'm talking about. But tie them up so that they can receive the maximum sunlight and the maximum air that they need in order to be able to grow fruit. So if our lives are, are consistently bearing no fruit, then what our loving Heavenly Father does is lift us up, wash us off, and bind us to the trellis that will allow us to bear fruit. The trellises that we bind, uh, are bound to might be spiritual practices that help us to, to grow. Um, but in our case, we need to cooperate with, uh, with this process. People don't just, and you know this, people might just, we all get older, but we don't always mature. <laughs> You kind of have to cooperate in that process the same way with growth. So that the branch will go from no fruit to some fruit. But remember where God wants us to grow is maximum fruit and best fruit, abundant fruit. So when we start bearing some fruit, then what does the vine dresser do? Well, as Jesus said, 
they prune. The vine dresser prunes. Another book that I like about this, this process uh, is a book by Margaret Feinberg called Scouting the Divine. And in this, she tells about uh, a year when she was starting the year out and she was praying about what direction God wanted her to take and, and her writing to take. And she decided that she was going to, to take some time just away. And I highly recommend this if you've never done this. As a matter of fact, uh, starting next week and for a good chunk of the month of February, I'm going to be doing a, a renewal leave and I'll be doing some continuing education, some time away, just seeking God and recharging my batteries. But Margaret Feinberg said that since she was praying about this, that in, in her heart, here is uh, what God said. She said, God, what are you going to do with me this year? And God's answer was something like, Margaret, I'm going to prune you. And that just sounds like, ouch, right? So uh, she thought, if, if God is going to prune me, I think I need to go see my friend Kristoff. She has a friend in Napa Valley named Kristoff who is a vineyard owner, a vine dresser. And she went and spent some time with him. And she specifically asked him about pruning. And when she was thinking about pruning, and um, maybe here's what you picture in your mind. You know those electric hedge clippers that you that you do, you prune your bushes, or someone prunes your bushes. Um, but no, don't picture that in your mind. Uh, picture instead the little snipper pruners, like my wife uses on her house plants, and that's kind of the way that it works in vineyards. Three or four times a year, Kristoff, her friend, would go through the vineyard, would handle every single branch, every single cluster of grape and would snip off a leaf here and a part of a dead branch there. And the purpose was to get the maximum sunlight, the maximum air around the branches so that there would be the best chance for the branch to bear the best, most distinctly flavored grapes possible. And so Margaret writes in her book, after she understood that, then she felt okay about praying this prayer God, have your way with me if there's anything in my life that needs to be pruned. Please prune it. I hope that's where we can get to the point that we, that we trust God enough to say, God, have your way. I surrender. If there's anything in my life that needs pruning, would you just go ahead and prune it? I know it sounds a little bit scary, but remember... How much God loves us. And remember how much God wants the best for us. Our openness begins with just being opened. God, maybe you need to pick me up and cleanse me and tie me to a trellis. Maybe, maybe a pruning is what I need. And that brings me to the last letter. And that is the W, which is the wait for the wine. We're talking about abiding here. In verse 4, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. To abide means to just remain. It means to stay. It means to live in. We abide in our homes, right? We can also persevere. Abiding also means persevere, to stay. And this is... Something I don't like, but abide also means to wait for. 
It means to wait for. In Scouting the Divine, the book I mentioned earlier by Margaret Feinberg, uh, the vine dresser, she learned, plants the, the shoots, and they come up the first year. And you know what the vine dresser gets from those shoots that come up the first year? Nothing. <laughs> you just trim them back. And, and the second year, um, the shoots come back up, and they're kind of wild-looking. And the vine dresser still gets no fruit and the vine dresser prunes it back even more. In year three, there are some grapes, but the vine dresser cuts it back again and doesn't take any of those grapes. It's not until year four that the vine dresser gets to taste the first harvest of grapes, but just a few. It's not until year seven that the vine dresser actually gets a decent harvest. And it takes, are you, are you ready for this? It takes until year 16 or 18 or even 20 before the vine dresser reaches a break-even point for the amount of time that he is putting into the vineyard. Oh, but after that, for the next 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, that vineyard as it's cared for, will produce the maximum and best grapes. My point is this. Would you be willing to wait? Would you be willing to abide and to stay with it, knowing that, that maybe it's going to take some time for that fruit to mature in your life? Would you be patient with yourself? Would you open yourself up to the loving care of the vine dresser? And you might say, well, preacher, it's easy for you to say, be patient and wait, but you just don't know how difficult things are for me right now. And that's true. I may not know how difficult things are for you right now. But I do know this small thing about growing things, about growing grapes, that if a vine dresser really wants great grapes, he doesn't use that just miracle grow type soil he uses actually rocky and difficult soil I learned about a vineyard in France called Chateau Lafitte it's famous for producing some of the finest wine in the world um, and a few years ago I saw where there was an 18, uh, 1787 Chateau Lafitte that was once owned by Thomas Jefferson that was sold for $156,000 for a single bottle of wine. If I paid that much for a bottle of wine, I would probably trip and drop it and, and break it on the ground and have to get down and try to, to lap it. I don't know. So why is the wine from Chateau Lafitte so good? It's so good well, of course, because of the care of the vine dressers, but it's also so good because of the soil. The soil is actually 75% gravel and 25% soil. As a matter of fact, if different places in the vineyard are not rocky enough, the vine dresser will add more rocks. So I'll ask you again, would you be willing to say, God, have your way with me, even 
if it means taking me up and washing me off and tying me to a trellis, even if it means pruning some things out of my life, even if it means I have to stay in this rocky and difficult place that I don't understand a little bit longer, if I have to do all that, God, because you're taking me somewhere, then yes. Because God wants to take us from no fruit to some fruit, and God wants to take us from some fruit to more fruit, and then church, God wants to take us from more fruit to much fruit. In a nutshell, God wants us to grow individually and as a church. Will we let him have his way? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for loving us so much. And thank you, Lord, for being our sovereign God, for being the one who owns it all. Thank you, Lord, for being the vine that provides the life-giving nutrients that we need. We are not the source of all that brings life. You are. So God, help us to remember our role in all of this. Who you want us to be, where you want us to go. And that is to grow fruit and thereby bring glory to you. The fruit of the spirit, the love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that fruit that brings glory to you. We want that in abundance, Lord. And we know that that doesn't just happen. So we yield our lives today. We yield our lives today to your loving hands. Help us to grow, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing song is a song that says come to the altar and I do want to invite you and remind you that that you can come and pray at the altar during this time if you want to of course pray where you are of course if you're home or wherever you are uh, worshiping with us online but this is an invitation to pray and it is a prayer of surrender that we're looking for God whatever it is you want to do in my life I yield myself to you will you stand as we worship
And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.